1: Hey. Hey. What'd you think about what? Did Did you get my text? Oh. Hey, welcome to another episode of Did You Get My Text on Pat Oswalt? I'm Meredith Salinger. Welcome back, guys. Oh, by the time you hear this, I will have returned from San Diego. I will have returned from Savannah, I hope, with the, if God's willing and the runway doesn't melt, and my new movie, I Love My Dad, will be in theaters and then soon streaming on Hulu. So That's much right. so get- much and also hopefully you will have watched all ten episodes of The Sandman on Netflix and listened <laughs> to my Dulcet Tones as well as uh, many other uh people uh in the show. It's it's just the show's fantastic and hopefully you're have a massive uh nerd crush on Tom Sturridge, who plays Lord Morpheus.
0: Um, I love the fact that you're going to uh you're on your way to Comic Con. I No, no, no loved- this is all
1: done. It's all done. Yeah. Yes, I'm a, as we're recording this, I haven't done this, but I am. we're going into the theater of the mind now. I've returned from all of my travails. I'm like Frodo in the bed at the end of Return of the King. All my Hobbit friends are coming in.
0: They're hugging me. I, the journey's ended, and I'm happy. Um, I wasn't able to come with you to Comic-Con, but I do love Comic-Con, and the times that I've gone... Um, I got so, I didn't even think I was as nerdy as I am. Um, When I went to Comic-Con, one of my favorite things about going was obviously seeing the cosplayers. Oh, man. Some of these costumes are so well done. Um, One of my friends dressed up as Batgirl, but the original one, was it Julie Newmar? Is that the Uh, name?
1: I thought Julie Newmar was the Catwoman. I thought Batgirl was... um...
0: No, that's what I meant. Catwoman. That's what I meant.
1: But the nineteen sixty-six um, version of Catwoman.
0: Yes. Nice. Such a cool costume. And then I was just so taken with all the different stormtroopers. Like there was like a disco ball stormtrooper <laughs> and uh like 19 set like they dressed up as like 1970s swingers, but they had like the stormtrooper helmets on, and they're like it's just so fun to see all the different costumes that people do. And going on the floor there. And just seeing, like, there's artists everywhere that they're selling um, art that they've drawn new characters they've created. And then there's a whole area for Dungeons & Dragons. I didn't realize it was for Dungeons & Dragons. It was just someone selling dice. (laughs) And when I was little, I loved dice so much. And so they had these really cute tiny little pink die. (laughs) And I just bought a whole bunch of them just because I thought they were cute. Why not? But... I don't know why I was so obsessed with dice when I were was Were Were they six sided
1: dice or were they multi sided dice? Were
0: they're they... six sided dice and they're super tiny. Like, oh, but, the, you but they didn't also have them. like
1: pink, eight sided, 12 sided, 20 sided, 10 sided. They didn't
0: have all those other different mm-hmm. variants, right? Dude, they had everything. They had every kind of dice you could possibly want. Why
1: don't you, was... you get a pink set of original Dungeons and Dragons dice, all the sides?
0: Because, honey, when I went to Comic Con back in the day, it's before I ever met you. And I wasn't a Dungeons and Dragons girl. I'm not... You don't need to be... I,
1: I'm, just, I'm talking about just the aesthetics of having every possible variation on a sided dice but in pink. That would look beautiful. Yeah.
0: I mean, now I would like that. Yeah. But back then, I was just looking at the cute little dice.
1: There's a place called Artist's Alley where artists hang out and you bring them your Moleskine notebook and ask them to draw whatever you want them to draw and you pay them. Uh, that's how they make money and, you know, a lot of... Famous artists are down there, and -and up-and-coming artists, and I have friends, um, um, Scott uh, from 30 Rock, great actor. Anyway, it'll come to me halfway through this podcast, but he has, I think at this point, he has probably a dozen Moleskines full of illustrations that he goes and just personally gets filled um, out from, you know, everybody— Dan Klaus and Kevin, I mean, there are people now that don't, that are famous enough, they don't need to go to these Comic-Cons, but I remember back in the 90s going down there and Dan Klaus would be sitting at a little card table selling, you know, his pre-publication copies of 8-Ball and, you know, Ian, um, Ivan Brunetti, who's done a bunch of my posters and is now a regular New Yorker cover artist, was just there. So I always try to go down into Artist Alley, although I will not be doing that this year. Um, to uh, see the up-and-coming artists and maybe get some drawings, because you never know who you're getting a drawing from. You just don't know. Yeah,
0: I've. it's so cool.
1: Scott Adsit is the guy with all the... I'm so sorry, Scott, I love you. He has shown me his notebooks. They're gorgeous. They are these gorgeous collections of various drawings of characters and pop culture figures done by all these different artists, and they are amazing. Anyway, sorry, go ahead.
0: Um, I, A friend of mine worked on Star Wars, his name's Tom Hodges, and he was down there in Artist Alley and, and drawing for people, and actually, Comic-Con was the place that I first learned about my favorite graphic novel, which is Mouse Guard by David Peterson, um, which I'm obsessed with, and I think needs to be made into a movie, and actually... I, I was talking to him. I'm like, you need to make this into a movie. And he's like, oh, we're in talks, we're in talks. And I think Fox bought it, and Idris Elba was going to be in it, and then I don't know what happened. Um, this Welcome to Hollywood,
1: dude.
0: Yeah, but it's so good. I always yeah. talk about how great this um, mm. graphic novel is. But I do love Comic-Con, and I do love going. And the reason why you're not going this year is because you are too busy doing all the panels that you're doing, or you no. that you would have done.
1: I would totally go down to the floor. But also, but I'm not going down into the Petri dish this year. This right, is not I was going to say,
0: because also because of COVID.
1: Yeah. There's, it's too, And also, even before gets... before COVID, when I went in the 90s, there was room to move around, room to, you know. But now you are constantly in a herd. You are shoulder to shoulder the whole time. There's no breathing room. And I don't, I don't do crowds. I can't do it. You know, I don't like yeah, it's too... feeling like if the crowd suddenly moves a certain way, that's the way I've got to go. I hate that.
0: Yeah, it gets very hot in there and very crowded. And for the people in costume, they must be boiling to death. But yeah, right now, this BA5 or whatever is happening right now with COVID, this thing is going to just keep changing, isn't it, Pat? Exactly, because like, we're,
1: all we're going to do is half measures, are we're going to keep letting this thing get stronger and, and link up with other viruses and keep mutating and get stronger and stronger uh, until it will decimate the population. Because we... Because um, you can't make me, because that's what the population yeah. is now. You can't make me.
0: Um, But I do think they are bringing back mask mandates pretty soon in Los Angeles. I just read something they're going to bring them back because it's so bad here. Um, And, you know, people, wa- I want to go see live shows. I want to see comedians. And when you're in a theater and you're sitting next to each other, it's such a great thing. But if we're all masked, it's great. And I know that you um have your your audience is usually masked, right babe?
1: Yeah, where I can, but now you because you can't enforce it anywhere, I'm very fortunate that I have the kind of fans that will mask, that will that are that are okay with showing proof of vaccination. I am masked the entire time I'm at the venue. I take my mask off right when I get to the mic. I don't understand yeah. this dumb defiance. I don't know what I don't understand what you're getting out of it except for to be able to walk around and And ball your fist up and stomp your feet and go, you can't make me. Why? Because.
0: I just wonder, because I um, had COVID, but I am so careful and very often masked. And I just think, gosh, the people who don't even try to protect themselves, aren't they all getting it? Aren't they all getting it? Aren't they all sick? This was horrible. I'm so, I'm I'm still recovering. And it's, it's, it's such a thing and all my friends and every text thread is like is this going to end and all the social things that you want to do it's like i want to go and just have fun again and i feel like i i know every a lot of people are just living their lives and doing all that stuff yeah. but it really does feel like it's a hindrance on enjoying your life
1: but keep in mind your wanting to just go and have fun again kind of led you to getting covid like i just want to go away for a weekend and you went to sun valley cuz i just want to be out with people, and then you came back with COVID, and I think that's yeah. how a lot of people end up getting it because they're like, "I can't. I'd rather well, get COVID the truth than is. spend another day in
0: this house." I was just gonna say, the truth is, for me, I mean, it was two and a half years or whatever, however long it's been since March of 2020. Um, wait, it is. It's two and a half years, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I just got it. Yeah. And I have it's really what? And I really did stay at home and not do anything and yeah. But you gotta live your life. You have to. I mean you have to live your life. Just be careful and if you get it, hopefully you don't die. Um, yay! yay. So- hey, thanks for tuning in.
1: We're gonna take a little commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: Um, hey guys, we're back. I just was reading about something that I thought was so interesting. Um, I heard about this company called Glass Half Full. Sounds really optimistic, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's, a, it's these two college grads who in college were noticing that where they were living, there was no recycling plants nearby. Um, oh. And there were all these glass bottles everywhere. And they're from Louisiana. And um, did you know that the Louisiana has a shrinking coastline. They're losing sand. Did you know that there's a shortage of sand? People are using sand for a million things like construction and there's sand in paints, there's sand in toothpaste, there's sand in phones and in concrete. And um, there's just so many uses for sand, but without it, the coastlines are shrinking. And so then the... Uh, plant life um, in these wetland areas doesn't exist anymore, and the wetlands are going away. Mm-hmm. So these kids – call them kids, but they've graduated from college um, – they created their own little glass recycling um, business, and everybody's dropping off bottles for them, and they made these things where they – grind them d- grind glass bottles down into sand oh. and some of the sand is so fine it feels like powder like you can walk on it Ooh. and some is more coarse but they have started um um the whole community has come together to like help bag up this sand so they've made extra land and it biodegrades in like six months the um the bags like this coffee company came mm-hmm. and gave their bags oh. to help bag it up and they have actually saved some wetlands and uh got they're restoring the coastline um they did 10 tons of recycled sand for one area of coastal restoration these two kids and they're and it's just amazing what people are doing when they see that there's a need and they just do it they're like how are we going to do this and they just do it
1: yeah but hang on are, is the is was did the sand originally go away because of natural erosion because of sea rise or because people were taking the sand away to go do stuff with it
0: I think it's natural erosion and then people need I don't know I don't then know. doesn't how that it got mean out. that the
1: sand that they've put in there will now get naturally like there are certain places well, because of yeah, ocean right. rise it doesn't matter what you can throw as much sand as you want it's just going to get washed away like there are well, parts of exactly. Florida that I think in the next 20 years are just going to be abandoned. Because they're like, yeah. we can't, we can't stop the ocean now. It's too late. So, well, yes, I love what like, they n- did, but it will this eventually be a futile gesture?
0: Well, they're doing what they can. I mean, New Orleans is sinking. The well, the, it's always been sinking. The, yeah, but over time, it's again, it's getting worse and worse because the yeah. waters are rising, and exactly, and the land is getting eroded. So, yeah, the sand is getting eroded. So they're trying to protect it. And use sandbags. And people are using sandbags all the time for flooding in New Orleans Mm -hmm. to protect their house. And there's just not enough. And these kids figured out a way to recycle glass bottles to help with the shortage of sand. It's just fascinating to me. It's really beautiful. Although it always bums me out whenever... This
1: is... Look, it's great what they did. But whenever they highlight a story about a boy, boy collects this many soda cans to pay for his mom's chemotherapy, and you're like, yes, it's very inspiring, but isn't that horrible that there isn't a healthcare system to help his mom? He had to go and, like, we shouldn't be celebrating, wait, what we're celebrating is things are so shitty that this kid basically had to go collect cans himself because the government wasn't going to help him, and the household was, gonna, like, he had to do it. So yes, it's great that two kids step forward, but it would be way more inspiring if it was the government saying, hey, let's do something so that... Louisiana is not washed away
0: you know well, what I'm saying that's The problem, right yeah it's all about getting people who will you know care about climate and care about the environment and all those things and Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are trying to rip away the um e p a standards and all those things and 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 so, yeah, it's terrible that there's not health care but you know the world is progressing forward, and I don't mean progressing as in progress. I mean, just moving forward and life is happening <laughs> lurching and things and are bar- Lurching
1: and barreling forward out of control. That's what it's doing. I mean,
0: <laughs> there's, you know, as time goes on, things change. Yeah. And thank God for these kids who, or, or anyone really, all this science and technology and all these kids who are learning this now are really figuring out ways and being really innovative to try to save what we've got. Because you're right. All the other stuff is not being handled by the people that should be handling no. it. But at least there's this desire among kids to do it. Like um, there's so many, uh, so many. I wish I had the actual statistic, but there's um, a bunch of people trying to figure out how to collect the plastic in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And these people have come up with different contraptions. Oh, yeah, I've can, seen some of that. They're almost like vacuums. Um, but there's all different ways to do it. But all these innovators... They're all trying because the person who can figure out how to do that, well, these people are gonna become billionaires. Um, and then of course, because they care, they will invest it in more things. To I hope help so. Although what if they become the billionaires better?
1: and it makes them evil? I hope it doesn't, no, but a lot I don't of times think, no. when a lot of people suddenly get a lot of money. It 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 I think it warps some people. I hope it doesn't. I think but I think <clears> if <throat> your
0: intention is to save the world and to go, there's a problem here, we need to save the oceans and they're trying to figure out ways. I think those people have their head on straight and have a pretty good moral sense. Doesn't um, Um,
1: Kevin Costner have some, he patented something that cleans up after oil spills. And I think he brought it down to the Gulf coast after um, that huge explosion, whatever that thing was called. Um, And he cleaned up. He has an invention that he has patented that is used in oil spills that he like, rents out or whatever to governments or local governments or something. Yeah,
0: I heard about something like that. Yeah. But there there's so many cool things like that. I'd love to know. I think mm-hmm. there needs to be a show about all the inventions of, of people who have done these things um, that they need to be highlighted. Like every episode needs to be about these people who have done this thing. And you can find these little special interest stories online. Like I found this story about um, these guys – just online, just reading. Um, but it would be nice to have it highlighted a little bit more, you know?
1: Yeah. How old are the kids? I
0: always notice they're college graduates, like 20s. Oh, so I thought they were teenagers.
1: So these, they're, they're recently out of college, and then they, they mm-hmm. devised this system of pulverizing glass to make it into sand.
0: Yes, oh, exactly. Wow. Um, it's just very innovative and wonderful, and I think one of the things that they – they were talking about wasn't just their invention but how the community kind of all came together like people are dropping off their glasses at their where they bought this huge warehouse and they got these um machines to help pulverize the glass and you know like i said there was that coffee company that donated all their burlap bags to help sand, you know just how oh, the community great. comes together and i think the good special interest stories are the ones where you're finding out about these things yeah um and there's so many of them and it's just inspiring
1: yeah we, we we need these little these little pockets of hope in the middle of all the doom scrolling but the doom scrolling unfortunately is more profitable for people you know going back to Trump in 2016 all the networks going so us a lot of ad time <laughs> so right. it would be a well, great well- someone what we got to do is we got to figure out some influencer has to figure out how to make these stories the profitable ones to report on. If they did that, then that would kick it into another level, you know? But right now yeah. it's it's all the doom scrolling stuff that makes the money.
0: Well, what I hope for the future and what I've seen in a lot of schools, at least here in California, um that they're really investing in the STEM program a little bit more. Um and getting kids more interested in science and technology because we really need those are the jobs that we really need because there's a lot of things that we have to fix Um, and if we can get kids interested in that and get Mm. some after school programs and all that kind of stuff would be very nice and very helpful to the world and hopefully um, parents will inspire their kids to take classes like that if they are available
1: that Um, would be very cool
0: yeah Um, let's take a break and we'll come right back
1: Hey, so we're back. So, this is a tweet. It's a link to an article that I have not read. So uh, Uh-oh, you're one of those people. I know. A headline okay, guy. By, by headline a writer uh, named Anna Merlan. I just want to read you this uh, lead to the article, because it's kind of interesting. And, I'm, and by the way, I'm not passing any judgment. Even though this is something that I personally don't believe in, I'm not besmirching anyone else's beliefs. But there is a bit of irony in this headline. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Uh, Here's the topic. Psychics, tarot card readers, and other intuitive workers online are grappling with a truly absurd number of scammers and impersonators targeting their communities. A few talked to me about the problem and some bigger systemic issues in psychic labor. Now, obviously there's the easy argument of, well... If you're a tarot card reader or a psychic and you're complaining about scammers in your field, that, I mean, I kind of think it's all a scam anyway. Um, that, that's like a, <laughs> that's like, like that's like a guy who prove- does people's horoscopes going, oh, these scammers are ruining my business. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I mean,
0: I do know what you mean. I do believe in a lot of that stuff. Um, I mean, when I say I believe in it, I mean, I do. I kind of believe in the spiritual aspect of some things. Um, I used to look at tarot cards. I had tarot cards in my 20s. I was always fascinated by that and by the I Ching. And I would just sort of was like, the universe is going to give you a sign kind of thing. And you can obviously extrapolate meaning from anything if you want to. Like, if you know, you read your horoscope and whatever I get might fit you as well. And you're like, Oh, if I read it to you, I said, this is your horoscope. You're like, Oh yeah, that's totally me right now. And if I read it, it'd be like, Oh yeah, it's totally me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think people can find meaning and make it work for them. Um, so in one aspect, it kind of like forces you to look inward and kind of pull things out and maybe be inspired to change or now is a time for you to really take stock of the gratitude of things in your life. And it kind of, those silly things kind of do then force you to do those things and mm-hmm. they do change your outlook on life. Um, but, and I, and I have had psychic readings that have been incredibly prophetic and have come true. And mm-hmm. it's almost like, wow, how did that happen? I think I talked about this on a different podcast. On the,
1: uh, on, uh, on those, the ghosted podcast.
0: Yeah, with Roz. Yeah. Um, no, I was just saying that on her podcast, I had told the story of what actually happened to me once. I went to this lady who was a psychic, and she said to me... Um, I mean, she knew I was an actress. I said I was an actress. And she goes, Oh, you just had a big audition, and and, and you got it. <laughs> and I was like... And I did. I, I just had this huge audition for the series, and it was one of the series regulars and she's like, you got it. And I was like, oh no, no, no. I actually didn't get it. They gave it to another actress. And she goes, no, you got it. And I'm like, oh God. Okay. Lady, listen to what I'm saying. They gave it to another actress. I actually didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, nope, I'm telling you it's your part. And I'm thinking this woman is really crazy. What is she talking about? Anyway, long story short, a week goes by and I get a phone call from my manager. And he's like, oh my God, they fired that girl and you got the part. And I was like, holy shit, how did that happen? How? I like argued with the psychic, like, you're wrong, lady, you don't get how it works in showbiz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. So I do think there are some people who actually have that thing. Um, but it is hilarious to hear. That online psychics and online tarot readers are like, we're the real deal. Those crazies are. But here's my question though. It.
1: Let's say, okay, let's say there's a tarot reader and they are very sincere and they really believe in what they're doing and they want to give you a solid read and they want to try to help people and guide them. Um, but at the end of it, you still need to pay them for their time, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, now let's say there's a scammer who. Gives you a bullshit tarot reading. Doesn't know anything about the Thoth deck or the whatever. All the I don't know. Right. I know there's all these mm-hmm. different decks. They don't give a fuck. They just they basically bullshit their way through it. Tell you what they think you want to hear, which nevertheless right. encourages you and and uh-huh. gives you the false focus to go do the shit you need to do. And you still got to pay them. So what's the fucking difference?
0: Right. That's so interesting. You're right. If this if the scammer is actually um, saying something that you then internalize and are able to work with and make your life better, then whether they are a scammer and believe it or don't believe it, you still got the end result, the yes. same result. Right, that's yeah, very you're the, interesting. You're the, you're, the mouse, perhaps, you're
1: the mouse giving Dumbo the crow feather and going, see, now you can right. fly with this.
0: Right, but I think maybe if you'd read the article, and I have no idea because yeah, I don't exactly. know what article you're talking about, that perhaps they're talking about scammers who are like, oh, you need a chakra cleansing. If you don't do this, you're going to lose all your money tomorrow. And they, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, scam them out of their life savings, that kind of a thing. Yeah, but Perhaps it's, that, like, evil like that. Well,
1: yeah, obviously the the, the the Ponzi pyramid type scheme scammers, obviously that's evil. I'm saying a person who's just like, I just want to make a quick, $80, a day, and I give these readings, mm-hmm. I don't know any of this shit, I just fucking make it up, and they're not doing it out of any kind of malignancy, and they're giving people the courage to either take a jump they need to jump or get over what they need to get over, what's the difference?
0: And I would argue that's helpful and great, and yeah, yeah I don't know the difference. But again, I'm, the article probably says that they're like those people that do this life savings thing. There's an,
1: there's this great, I mean, I don't know. There's this great short story by Ray Bradbury called The Toynbee Convector, and it's about a guy that.
0: Ca- wait, I'm sorry. What is it called? The
1: Toynbee Convector, and it's Toyn? About a Toyn. T o y n b e e, convector. Oh, the Toynbee Convector, and a, a guy, cre- He creates a time machine, in which he gets in it, and then goes forward in time, and comes back, and he has described this amazing utopia that we all live in, where there's no peace. We've solved pollution. We got together to make. You the mean where there olivable. is only peace. Yeah, there's there's only peace. Sorry, not no peace.
0: Oh, my God. There's only <laughs> like utopia peace. utopia with no peace. And everyone's
1: what? together. And, and then he did this like 50 years ago. And now the story takes place 50 years into this future where they are celebrating his great achievement. You took the bold leap to go forward in time. And in doing so, like, it broke the time machine. So when he came back, he couldn't go back again. But he saw this thing. And now the world is the way that he saw it because they all – and then – he reveals to the person that's like privately. He's like, I I made it all up. This was never a time machine. I just built it so that it would like. I'm just a stage magician. I did this thing where it vanished. Everyone thought I went into the future. Then I just told you all you fixed it, and it gave you guys the courage to go do it. And then he right. Then he like dies. Oh, and that's then brilliant. The, and then the guy who's describing goes, and there he was, a liar who saved the world.
0: Wow, you know. so, th- so that's kind
1: of the same thing of like. Yeah, I could be totally bullshitting, you know. Um,
0: that is so interesting. Yeah, like, so- hey guys, there's going to be a utopia where everybody's kind to each other and helps each other. You're like, I want to live there, and then so you act kind and you help each other because yeah. that's what you were told it's like. And so then you are, it's it's just like how you label your children. Like if you say to if you say, oh, you're the happy child, then your kid's gonna go through life like feeling happy and if you're like oh god you're such a lazy grump right then or like you know if you you got to be careful how you speak to people and how you frame them because they will take that framing Mm -hmm. throughout their life
1: yeah i mean that was kind of weirdly enough that was gene roddenberry's whole point with doing the star trek show was he was trying to give people a utopia where it's the future it's the year 2500 but there's no real racism you see it's a multicultural cast um you know, there's a black woman. There's an Asian guy. There's a Russian guy mm-hmm. because American there's Russia. A they don't, they woman, don't fight there's a blue woman. There's a green woman. There's a Spock. There's a Vulcan. The aliens are working with us. Mm-hmm. We're all together. No one cares about that. We're get together exploring space, and we go visit other fucked up civilizations that don't have their crap together, and then we got to try to help them. So you know, he, that was his vision for the future. It's like we all just got together and explored space and saw how massive space was. Then our problems on Earth would be like, "Who? I don't care about that." Let's let's all go explore sp- 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 space together. That was his attempt. Um, hasn't worked yet, but who knows?
0: Yeah, the human race, man. Um, <laughs> but those pictures—what were those pictures recently of outer, 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 super outer space? There they, is they, oh God, like I a, wish I knew. they've gone—they've gone through this this mountain peak or something where there's like galaxies billions of other galaxies with millions of planets in them and we haven't even explored that but they they just found out that they exist. Yeah, well they
1: they either launch some new telescope that's either in space or on earth that's more powerful than the Hubble so they can take even clearer pictures of Yeah, it's the deep amazing parts what they space, found. and it's beautiful. It's it's amazing and, you know, it just makes me And really wouldn't happy. it
0: be fabulous if we if we could find another world where there were other people and we could just be like how did they do it? Yes. What are they doing? Yes, wouldn't it be fascinating? Like,
1: please, or or to, just again, to, see enough of the world that it's so huge, so that it makes our stuff here puts it in perspective, so that we calm. Right. The fuck well, that's down. the whole
0: thing. I mean, even and you know, on a smaller, just our globe, um, if people are educated and people travel and people meet people from other cultures. Um, so people who are from different parts of the world and they go to these big colleges and there's, you know, someone from, um, in my college, one of my roommates was from Sri Lanka. One was from, was a missionary from Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And you bring these people together for a liberal arts education to teach you, not just the things that you learn in school. I mean, obviously people need to learn a trade and obviously you, you need to learn, um, the basic core things about you know, math and science and this and that. But one of the most important things that I think you learn when you go to college or is is a new community and, and it yeah. exposes you to different cultures and different people. And that's what ultimately will make the world a better place to be meeting all and be accepting of all these different kinds of humans. And that's sort of like what we're saying about – wouldn't it be great to see another planet that has got it right or something yeah. like that? Because then it would make you go, oh, we're all just these people. But you know, or we live a, in this or another, world.
1: See a planet that is such a mess that it makes us go, Oh, we could actually solve these problems. They've done it, they've messed things up way worse. Or see a planet that didn't solve their problems. Like, what if we found out that the reason that Mars is so bare and sparse is because it was a once advanced civilization that nuked itself to death or like, you know, wiped out its own environment. We don't know that.
0: Right. But when you talk about things like that and you hope that it will show you to change you, it's, it's why we teach history. It's like, look at what they did. Look what Hitler did. And you have to learn from history. Look at what happened here. Let's never have that happen again. We are getting those lessons, whether... You are finding it on another planet or you're finding it in another era. History is there to teach you, look what happened when these people did this and let's create a world and let's never have that happen again. And unfortunately, we still have remnant Nazis and we still have remnant Ugh. people who are, you know, not learning the lesson. Yep. But but. But apparently, and I don't know what the statistic is, but there's more good people than bad, <laughs> I uh,
1: hope. I wish you could um, point me toward that statistic. I think I, think, uh, <laughs> I know where that ex- statistic exists, in your hopeful heart. I think that's where that statistic Perhaps. came from.
0: But, but the dream of searching outside ourselves for outer space and to get those lessons from outer space is really – just not focusing on what's actually happening here, which is those lessons exist. People just have to absorb them. And getting people to absorb them is really challenging when yeah. when they're so myopic in their views of life and they have their own little world and they're not traveling and they're being taught hate and they're being taught their nationalism and, and only caring about their own thing. Um, and creating division, it's never going to lead to the – we need to stop those things so that the world can be better. And yeah. right now there's a lot of opposition to that kind of behavior
1: There's another, and knowledge, um, there's another. which is why
0: they're so upset about critical race theory and all that stuff. Well,
1: I mean, look, if, if, if you're, it's, it is kind of ironic that um, a lot of these you know, MAGA types, a lot of these Tea Party types, like, we've got to go back to the America that was. But when we want to teach kids about the America that was, you're like, no, don't do that. So, so like, that really tells you something about what our past actually was.
0: I saw a really fascinating interview, and I can't remember who it was who did the interview, but it was basically talking about critical race theory and how um, afraid white people are, these certain white people, Mm -hmm. of teaching slavery because it makes the white man look bad um, for enslaving the blacks. But Mm -hmm. the thing is... The person who was being interviewed said, "Why are you looking at it like that? Why are you not looking at it like the abolitionists? There were a lot of black people and white people who did everything they could to end slavery. Why is the lesson that and not why don't they um personalize themselves or connect themselves to the abolitionist and not to the enslaver? Oh, why do you wow. think why are we not why are we not giving the American public?" enough credit to say we're going to teach you this not to make you go white people are terrible or we did that and instead to go look at these wonderful people who saw something bad happening and changed it and why do you assume that they're going to side with the slave the enslavers Mm -hmm. as opposed to the abolitionists Mm -hmm. and i always thought you know that is such a beautiful way to look at it um That's great. it's just history. But the whole point is critical race theory in general, it's not a separate thing. It's not a new thing. It's just history.
1: It is not. And it's so upsetting that someone even labeled it. All it is is history. You just renamed it. Yeah. It's friggin' history. Exactly. And you're supposed to goddamn learn it. Exactly. I forgot who did this quote, one of my favorite quotes, but it's like, just be happy that black people are seeking equality and not vengeance. All right. Just be (laughs) happy with that. You're actually getting off kind of light right now.
0: Seriously, yeah. it's just... I also forget I there's, just, a, there's
1: a great... Um, another science fiction story, and I cannot remember who did it. Maybe Jack Vance, maybe William Miller, but it's a guy... The basic concept is a guy goes to Mars and it, where there's an intelligent race of insects. These red, giant insects, and they are very, very intelligent with advanced technology. And he goes, listen, Earth is a friggin' mess where all we do is fight each other. If you could just... I will he's like a billionaire. He goes, I'll transport you like whatever they need, like some water or minerals or something. He's worked at it. deal. was like, you could stage an attack on earth. You don't need to attack it, but launch your fleet, make it look like you're going to attack earth. It'll bring earth together. We will get over all of our differences because we got to fight off the mark, you know, you know, and it'll bring peace. Could you, and then in trade, I'll give you all the stuff that you need. And they go, that's fine. Yeah, we need that stuff. Great. So then he goes, you, I'll give you 10 years to make your preparations and he goes away, and then he comes back with his payload of stuff, and he sees the Martian fleets are absolutely getting ready for war. But they're really arming their ships, and not only is it red insects now; it's blue ones, black ones, yellow ones—like all these different color intelligent insects are waging this massive. They're about, to, and he's like, "No, no, 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 guys, you don't need to you need all these weapons. You just—and who are all these other bugs?" And he's like, "Listen, your idea to unite people with war." We've been fighting each other on this goddamn planet for centuries, the black bugs versus the blue bugs versus the red bugs. So what we did, t- I told them, Earth is going to attack us. We've got to come together. So basically, they're using Earth's idea to bring together all the races of Mars and bring peace to Mars, and they're going to wipe Earth out, which I just, I just love. That was so hilarious, that idea of like, so you think everything else is a monoculture except for Earth, but actually, there's, it's just as complex and fucked up as Earth.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, great. It's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, but again, that idea of, but but that that's getting back to what you were saying of, we think history has to be this monoculture, it's just one. No, the more complicated history you teach, the more you can stave off getting taken over in the future because you can see those mistakes before they happen. But if you just teach it as white people came to America and they were good and everyone was happy, then you're, you're just setting yourself up for more disaster.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? If this guy had gone and actually done CRT on Mars and realized there actually are different races that are actually fighting, then he would know maybe don't float that idea in front of them.
0: So many science fiction things are about creating a utopia, and everyone wants Hopefully, it so badly. Yeah. right? And Right. But, but the thing is, it seems like everybody's heart is hopeful for something better. Yeah. I mean, I hope everyone's heart is hoping for something better, but I guess it's, I don't know.
1: I mean, a lot of science fiction, it's just variations on three plots, which is what if, if only, and this goes on, or if if this goes on. And a lot of the if this goes on stories are, I see a cliff we're headed towards, and I'm trying to, in an entertaining way, Show us a way to avoid that cliff, which is what Ray Bradbury did all the time. And uh, people also need to remember that utopia is a word that was first coined in 1516 by a writer named Thomas More, and it was meant as a joke. It's a pun, and it, it has two meanings. It means a good place, and it also means nowhere. In other words, it's this good place you imagine, but you actually can't get there. It doesn't exist. And he meant it. Oh my god!
0: I did not know that.
1: He meant it as a joke, Um, but now people are like, "We've got to find a utopia." It's like, "Oh, you didn't. You missed the original joke."
0: Right, but I think people then take that and be like, "We can do this. We could make things better." Um, But you know what is great about the world? Mm comedians who are there to lighten people's <laughs> spirits when it gets too dark uh, and when it gets too grim I and we've guess. got people like like you and your friends to um make people happy
1: i'm very happy being a comedian but as i've said on stage these past few months it's it's still a great job there are days where i feel like the mc in cabaret if you know what i mean like i'm basically i don't know what you mean you i thought you you've seen cabaret with liza minnelli and joe yeah. He's yeah. the, he's the MC, the master say, welcome in bienvenue, welcome. Yes, yes. Well, Whereas outside the walls of the Kit Kat Club, the Nazis are coming to power. So he's basically, right. he's keeping everyone distracted while all this horrible stuff's going on. So there are days well, that I feel like that.
0: Well, I think that's what it is, honey. I mean, we do have to operate in reality. We know there are terrible things going on. And as much as you try to fix things throughout your days and everything, you do have to, live life and enjoy your life and like, well, I'm going to take my daughter to the beach today and mm-hmm. I'm just going to spend my time watching her play in the water and watching her laugh and doing everything possible to enjoy what we have here while also trying to save it with all the activism we try to do. Yeah. Um but you have to have those moments of escape. And so perhaps you're the MC from cabaret and Everybody has to be their best to, you know. Well, lift each other up.
1: You know what? On that note, I'm glad you guys tuned in to this new episode, and allow me to say, a same. sing, to a
0: war.
1: Thanks for listening, guys. Have an
0: amazing week and um, have a great life. Bye. <laughs> This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswald.
1: In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to...
0: Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free, and it helps us get to keep making the show.
1: Starburns Audio, a podcast... <clears throat> a podcast network.